precious shepherd, we thank you that we can come to you and know that the Lord is our shepherd. And for so many of us this morning, I know that they, we desire to know the shepherd closer in our lives. Come and surround us in your love. Shepherd, it is tough for people here as they travel on certain journeys and experiences. And I ask, dear shepherd, that you will come and that you will comfort us, encourage us, strengthen us. We thank you that you are with us even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, they comfort us. We are so blessed this morning to be those that follow the Good Shepherd. We are so blessed this morning to know your love and your grace at work in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. <clears throat> welcome to Willow Park Church. If you're here for the first time this morning, we want to give you a big welcome. We're one church, um, three locations, four congregations. And, uh, and next week, our downtown campus will be opening. So we're looking forward to that and, um, and want to keep praying. Of course, in the city... Um, uh, we continue to pray for God's peace, for blessing, for encouragement, and um, His presence. Uh, uh, some of you know, uh, we were away on holiday last week, and um, Michelle and I went to Mexico. Uh, yes, that's why I've got a suntan, and uh, it's because of all of the, you know, peppers we ate. And all the time. Uh, people said, were you in an all-inclusive? Uh, no, we went to a little uh, hotel that specializes in having pastors come. So it was very nice. And we were the only pastors there, so it was very empty. Um, but loved it. Uh, just eight, nine rooms ran by some Christians in uh, Baja, California, and uh, you can go, and uh, it was shoulder season, and it was um, a really lovely, uh, refreshing time. So thank you for asking as you came in. I thought I'd give you a report. All is well in the Collins household. Uh, it was wonderful and uh, very good. There's, um, there's two gifts I always tell people that a pastor can give to his church. One is a good marriage, and two is... Um, is a good prayer life. Um, so I can report that both of those areas are just fine. Thank the Lord. Um, and of course, we are looking forward to a, a picnic together, aren't we? So good. Down at Benley Park, I look forward to that. The relationship of remaining. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to John chapter 15. Last week, uh, Jordan spoke about, uh, about the friendship with the Lord and spoke about the friendship in terms of the loneliness within our cultural concept and within our, our society about how people feel isolated and feel alone. 
and are struggling uh, to find connectivity even in this age of, um, of, of so much social media and so on that we can be so alone. And I want to uh, spend some time over the next few weeks in John chapter 15 because really this is critical for our spiritual discipleship and growth. The John chapter 14 dealt with Jesus um, coming, that he would come to us through his resurrection, that he would come to us through his second coming, that he would come to us through the presence, the advocator, the strengthener, the presence of the Holy Spirit within the believer's life. And we understand there in chapter 14 that he was encouraging the church, encouraging us that we could be comforted because in my father's home there are many rooms. And do not be troubled. Do not struggle. I am with you. I am here for you. And I promise you that death will not hold you back. I promise you that you will know a certainty within your life by the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I promise you that one day you will see me return as sure as I came once, I will return again. But then Jesus, if the first chapter 14 was about coming, then chapter 15 is about remaining. Remaining in the Lord. Remaining in the Lord by which way? By way that we can all bear fruit within our lives. That is fruitfulness that makes the difference. There is a beauty, there is a spirituality, there is a depth. We know that doctrine, the truth of God, keeps us firm and strong. We know that Christian ethics teaches us how to live correctly and be the right people that God calls us to be. But we also know that Christianity is more than just great doctrine and Christian ethics. It's actually experiential, whereby we are engaging in a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The danger is always that we lose that connection between us and the Lord and we become irrelevant within our own Christian walk. We kind of live in our own echo chamber. We get stuck and we're there and we're, we're there. We're not entering into that place of intimacy, that place of, of where the Lord meets with us in the mysterious uh, way of, of the spiritual engagement that we engage in as people that carry the presence of the Holy Spirit within our lives and is present within our lives is that we, we don't draw upon, we're not remaining, we're not engaging, our prayer life is lacking, our desire to see God change us and transform us and this is about remaining in Christ again, the deepest and the most spectacular and the most glorious relationship that we can have between ourselves and the Lord Jesus Christ. It makes, makes everything about Christianity so immensely compelling that we have a friendship with God, that we have a relationship with him, that he is with us and that he is there. And that's what happens, that we realize that there's a battle internally that goes on and there is the interior change that happens in our lives as we realize and allow ourselves to step in. And really what John chapter 15 is talking about, the interior 
change that takes place within a believer's life as we remain in Christ and as we connect and as we are part of the vine, as we are a branch and we engage in this glorious, mysterious, mystical, spiritual, magnificent communion with the Lord ourselves. Oh, yes. And that's exactly what prayer should be about. That intimacy, that closeness, that we connect so there. But of course, the chapter talks about conflict. If you were to break the chapter into four areas, you could talk about the relationship of, a, of remaining and abiding. You can then think about the relationship of the power of love within the believer's life. And then you can think about the relationship of the reality of the conflict that it creates when true believers believe in Jesus. And the pressure and the difficulty and the concept we experience and if those of us that read about the reports that are taking place in countries around the world, that conflict and that rejection of Christ is still taking place. And then it ends on, in the end of the chapter, it ends up with the relationship of being a co-witness, a co-worker with the Lord Jesus Christ. So there are four relational themes within John chapter 15, and they're remarkable things because when you understand them, they transform our lives. When we understand that we are called to be intimate, a close, remaining, prayerful with him. Wow. When we understand that we are called to be a people of love, a people that are consumed by loving one another, caring for one another, and allowing love to take hold of our lives. But of course, the other side of that is the conflict that when we bump up against society and we bump up against the world, the values of Christ are often rejected by the world, which is a massive theme in these dialogues, whereby there is a battle that takes place and it feels uncomfortable and it can be difficult at times. Certainly where there is persecution, certainly where the church is being stamped out, certainly where we know where for meeting in a Christian, even this morning at the intercession prayer group, about 12 people gathered together. They were praying at 9 a.m. And always they give thanks that we can freely gather and worship and give thanks to the Lord and that we can enjoy that within our lives. It's, it's magnificent, isn't it? So we've got that freedom. So let, me, let us begin. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. I am the true vine. You may not realize this, but this statement is suddenly, it's like Jesus has just dropped a stun grenade. And everybody looks around. I am the true vine. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. <clears throat> outrageous. Why is it outrageous? Because throughout the Old Testament, the true vine was simply Israel. Israel is the true vine. And if you look at passages of scripture like uh, Psalm chapter 80, it talks about Israel and, and how when Israel goes wrong, they are talked about how it affects the vineyard and how it affects it and how the vineyard and Israel was always seen as the vineyard and out of the land and out of Israel and out of the vineyard comes blessing or in many cases in scripture like in Isaiah, in Psalm 80, it talks about the curse. It talks about you have betrayed the Lord, that your, your landscape, the vineyard has been ruined 
because of your actions and the way that you are. But Jesus suddenly turns around and goes, actually, I'm the vine. What does that mean? I'm the one that will give you sustenance. I am the one that is the promise. I am the one that will come. I am the one that you connect to. No longer here. Of course, Israel has a unique and special place. And we pray for Israel. And it has a, a destiny in the future, as, as we know, with the second coming of the Lord. And by saying this, I know that there is a God sovereign plan for the nation and the people of Israel. But Jesus is actually saying now, I am. So rather than connected to the land, I want you to be connected right now to me because when you connect to me, not the land, then you will truly be fruitful. This is outrageous. And if you went to Herod the Great's wonderful temple, it was at its height, around the main entrance was a, was a golden uh, vine of which some reporters, Jephias and others, wrote about this vine as it was even the fruit of the vine was that the, the, the grapes and the bunches of grapes were the size of a man, he said, made of gold. So the moment you came to the temple, you saw a massive golden vine with grapes the size of a man and people would add to this and people would keep adding to it and more gold would come and it would be added. And maybe Jesus is standing there right now by the temple as some commentators think now the discourse in the upper room is over and he's walking, he turns, he sees the golden vine and as he sees the golden vine which represents the nourishment of the nation, it represents the nation, it represents promise, it represents all of that. He turns to them and he says, says very simply, I am the vine. So listen, things are changing. There's a difference that is happening at this moment. And we are called. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. It seems that we as believers are part of this glorious vine, this tree, and the branches are the people, and we are part of that, and we gain our sustenance, we gain our strength through our intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as we remain in him. One of the biggest problems the Western church has faced is the inability of Christian believers to maintain strong devotional lives of being in the presence of the Lord, of developing prayer patterns and prayer devotions, of reading scripture and allowing ourselves to be in, found in God's presence and allowing ourselves to foster that prayerful relationship with God. It is said that 19% of evangelical Christians, only 19% of evangelical Christians in Canada have a daily devotional time when they sit down or they're in the presence of the Lord and they open the Bible. It is said that then, then you know, another 40% are kind of like hit and miss throughout the week and then a whole 
rack of believers don't even have quiet times. Don't even spend that intimate time. Don't even pray in that closeness. And yet, this is central to who we are. And as individuals and, and as people, boy, do not... Do not turn away from that quiet time, the intimacy, the beauty. The worst teaching I had when I was in my early 20s being discipled was that we don't have to worry about our quiet times because that becomes religious. We can pray to the Lord throughout the day all the time. Well, that's true. We can But the truth is, if I'm not having that daily time with the Lord in his presence, his power, somehow I find it difficult to pray to the Lord throughout the day. And you know what happens? After a while, I get into a bad habit. And after a while, you forget to be a person of prayer and you lose the consistency and strength of being with the Lord. Every one of us needs to remain. Every one of us needs to say, yes, Lord. Yes, I need you. I need to be close. He cuts off every branch in that bears fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, he cleans, he sorts out. The Greek word there between pruning and cleaning are just so similar that they're interchangeable. And that, that when we know that, that when we're not bearing fruit, the Lord comes and he, he prunes us, he cleans us, he works with us, he starts to move our hearts. And sometimes pruning and the Lord's discipline, because <laughs> you know sometimes the Lord disciplines us, that pruning and the Lord's discipline feels the same. And sometimes I have to pray, Lord, are you pruning me or are you disciplining me? What's going on? Do I need to repent here or do I need to surrender here? Do I need to repent or surrender? Sometimes it can be a bit confusing, can't it? But in our prayer life, which should be the most, our prayers, our time, our intimacy with the Lord should be the most, the most precious thing in the life of a believer and the life of a church where we pray together, where we worship together, where we open our Bibles and we don't lose that sense of fruitfulness and remaining. Because the danger is, as it says, is that we might be separated. There's a pruning, a cutoff, that, that, that there's a, basically become obsolete that we become so non-engaged with the presence of God and intimacy with him in our life that we become obsolete. And that's a frightening place to be when we lose that sense and we become hard-hearted, we become dry, and we lose that relationship with the Lord in our lives. He cuts off every branch. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain, you remain in me. I think Jesus wants to communicate something to us here, don't you? 
It's like, mm, you know, what do they say? You can never over-communicate. Remain, 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 remain. Okay, do you get the message? Amen. Well, what does it mean? What goes on here in the remaining? Well, when we remain in Christ, the first thing that happens is that we experience a change. It is an interior change within our hearts and within our lives. When we remain in him, we are able to let go of all of our pain. When we remain in him, we're able to bring our unforgiveness. When we remain in him, we are able to pray for those things that really burden us when we remain in him. But the issue about the teaching is not the fruit. The fruit is a byproduct of remaining. So often we say, well, if you remain in me, you'll hear the preacher preaches. It's all about the fruit. Remain in him. Do you want to be fruitful? Do you want to be fruitful? Do you want to be blessed? Hallelujah. And everybody goes, yes, I want to be fruitful. I want to be blessed. I want to be like you, preacher, with your white shoes. And I want to do this. You missed the point. The whole point of these narratives is that it's about Jesus. And I remain in him because I want to be connected to him. And being connected to him is the most important thing in our lives. The byproduct is fruit. And what is the fruit? Well, the fruit is, is laid out here in the text. The fruit is, it comes, of course, we instantly our minds are going to the book of Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, that when you remain in Him and you have that intimacy, yes, your character, your internal world is being transformed, that you are able to deal with things and, and fruit starts to grow. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, they, they start to come into a life because the closer you are to Jesus, Jesus, the more transformed we are by the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. The second area, of course, is, is the word of the Lord, obedience. That when you remain in Christ, you become obedient to his word. You're listening for his whisper. You're aware of his presence. You're seeing what God is, is laying upon your heart. And you're sensing the direction. And you're seeing things. And you're starting to understand. It's not just like a continuous conversation. It's a process of devotion, a process maybe of journaling, a process of reading scripture, a process of worship, of being obedient to scripture and what scripture teaches to us. And this is invigorating. It is like the sap of the Holy Spirit in the vine is running through you and I. The Father is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches and the Holy Spirit is the sap that comes and fills us. He comes. And this is where there's the, oh, we love doctrine, good doctrine. We love ethics, good behavior, the way we should be. But we must never lose the glory of remaining in the intimacy of Christ. It is never too late for any of us to go deeper into the presence of Jesus. Never too late for any of us 
is always there. The only person that stops us from our God-given destiny and calling and closeness is me. To do with me, not to do with you. I'm not stopping you. But me. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I'm not willing to surrender myself. And, and, and the fruit is the answered prayer. That fruit that comes in answered prayer. And he, he reminds us, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I in you, you will bear much fruit. Yes. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. As a church, apart from the Lord, we can do nothing. As a people, apart from the Lord, we can do nothing. We try and do things ourselves, but we know what kind of mess we end up in. It's about, you know, responding and saying we can do nothing. That's why Willow One Prayer is our monthly prayer meeting, because apart from him, we can do nothing. That's why prayer is so critical and so important. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. You're obsolete. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And the challenge is, is that in a place of discernment, in a place of prayer, in a place of intimacy, we become fruitful in our prayers because we are discerning what to ask for and what is God's heart. And boy, isn't that a hard journey? Because so many of us, we live with disappointment and we live with hope. I've got so many answered prayers here, but I've got prayers that I'm praying at the moment. I'm praying for a friend of mine who is 44, has cancer for his healing. I'm praying for a girl that, that was in our Sunday school group in England who is who's in her 40s, well, in a coma in a hospital at this moment and can't move. I'm praying for a friend of mine's daughter who is having suicide idolation and, and is battling and their whole life is a mess. I'm praying for so much where I need God's answer and I've got so much here that is hope. And I'm, Lord, where should I be? I'm battling here. I'm rejoicing here. What should I be doing? And Jesus says, remain in me. And when you hear my voice, you hear my heart, you know how to pray. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. As you get that connection, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But the area is, is that we know there are times when we hear God's voice and we pray something and it's answered. But we're on that journey of closeness, of prayerfulness, of intimacy, of growing with the Lord. And the fruit, yes, the fruit is an obedience to the word of God. The fruit is answered prayer. The fruit is love. The fruit is joy. The fruit is peace. But the key that Jesus taught throughout John's 
gospel is this. My reliance is on the Father, and then my reliance is on God completely. And this is what God calls us to do. He calls us to be reliant upon him, just as Jesus was reliant upon him, that we come to the Lord with a heart of reliance. We're saying, Lord, I, I, I rely on you for this. I rely that you will help me. I need that connection. The challenge is, are you relying on the Lord? Are you relying on yourself? Oh, it's so easy to rely on ourselves, isn't it? It's so easy to rely on our own abilities. And Jesus says, you need to remain in me. Why? Because actually what he's actually doing, as Pastor Jordan highlighted, it's about friendship with God. It's about a love that is birthed and a friendship with God. In the same way that Abraham was friends with God, we are called to be friends with God. In the same way that Moses is friends with God, we have a friendship with God. This is something that is glorious. This is something that is beautiful. This is something that is remarkable. This to, you, to my Father's glory. Everything's to the glory of the Father. Answered prayer is to the glory of the Father. That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So what is he actually teaching us that shows us what kind of disciples we are meant to be? Well, so far I've discovered that if I'm going to be a true disciple of Jesus, and then I need to learn to remain in him and foster that intimacy, but then what are the marks of a true disciple? Well, the marks of the true disciple are a love for the word of God. The marks of a true disciple are one that prays and seeks and sees answers prayer. The marks of a true disciple is one that their joy is in the Lord and what the Lord has done for us in our life. The mark of a true disciple is one of love, that we seek to be a people of love, loving one another, caring for one another. These are the fruits that come off the vine. These are the fruits of our lives, that we love God and that we are reliant upon him and that we have that relationship with him. These are the fruits. And I have to say, having been a Christian for quite a long, 35 years or something, I am still broken and humbled and eager to go deeper and deeper into being obedient to his word. being a person of prayer and being a person of love. Love one another. And love's the hardest thing, isn't it? I just want the Lord to just baptize me in love. Just, I, I have to choose to love every day. I have to choose to love. Love is, love is wonderful and there are times when I feel love but then I've got to choose because I'm irritable and I'm English and I, I pretend that everything's absolutely fine and oh yes, yeah, good, I'm well done, well done. <coughs> but inside I'm going, oh, I don't like you. <laughs> Not really, none of you. 
I go back in prayer and say, Lord, I want to remain in you. I want to bear the fruit. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to know your love. I want to be a friend of God. And I want to feel your closeness because what Jesus is giving us here are the guidelines. The guidelines to successful Christian service. And it's no wonder that out of this type of lifestyle, of prayerfulness, of humility, of love, of, of this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in me. It's about love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in me about the word of the Lord. You will remain in my, in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments, remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. How am I going to love you? How are you going to love each other? Just look around at this group of people. What a bunch we are. I shake most of your hands coming in. You are lovely and diverse and interesting and fascinating and so different. How would you get such a diverse bunch of people in a room? Because we have the love of Jesus. We have the love of Jesus. We have the joy. And we are called, we're all part of the same branch. We're all connected. He is, he is the vine. We are the branches. And we are connected beautifully by the presence and the power of the Lord. So look around each other. Forgive each other. Care for each other. Smile at each other. Husbands and wives, smile at each other. Maybe you haven't done that today. <laughs> you need to go to Mexico. <laughs> and realize that the most precious thing you have is your prayer relationship with Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for such a lovely, beautiful passage. Thank you that you do guide us and help us all to make that next step. The next step to become closer to you, whatever that means for every one of us, however that affects each one of us, Lord. May a closeness come in our walk with you and an intimacy for each one of us and a real faith. Thank you, Lord. 
it's sometimes just quite overwhelming to know that you have loved us so much that you laid down your life for us upon the cross. And no greater love has son. He laid down his life for his brother. Thank you for these verses. And help us, I ask, to not become obsolete or redundant in our walk with you, Lord. Thank you that never a prayer is wasted or a moment sat in your presence. Help us to grow, Lord, I ask. Grow. And for those of us who have been in a better place in the past than we are now, give us the courage to make you our priority, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen.